1: You've taken over your senses for the duration of this broadcast. You are helpless to resist. We have taken control for your own sake. There are things you must know. This is Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton.
0: Hello, this is the Paranoia Podcast. I am Olaf Phillips, the publisher of Paranoia Magazine, and on the line I have our Editor-in-Chief. Ron Patton, live. Live. From from Portland, Oregon. From Portland, Oregon. Yes, the epicenter of weird.
2: Yes, in the uh, studios of Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis.
0: Ground Zero, 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 Zero. Yeah. So last week, we had the Cannabis Conspiracy, and I think that that was a pretty fun show. And I think we learned a few things. But some interesting things happened after the show. So I thought, well, you know, let's let's, uh, dive into another conspiratorial topic. So Joe, the guy that we had on the show... Uh, mm-hmm. Called me about a day or two after the show and said I'm being buzzed by a black helicopter right now.
2: Didn't we kind of bring up the black helicopter thing a little bit during the show?
0: A little bit, but not yeah. not a lot. Right. But he calls me up. He says Olaf, I'm being buzzed by a black helicopter. Mm-hmm. And he was. <laughs> yeah, we saw we
2: saw the photos. There was, yeah. I, I just—it would have been nice if he would have had a video, just so we could see how long he was being buzzed. But it seemed like for
0: quite a long time, and then a few days later, uh, I was at the YMCA because I'm a normal schmo, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a weird helicopter that flew around for a little while, and then took off. And it—I looked it up on flight 24, and it was a privately owned uh, Bell Bell Jet Ranger. And mm-hmm. it looked black. I showed you the photos.
2: hmm Yeah.
0: Yeah. In fact, I didn't have any uh, black helicopter experience,
2: although, you know, I, I'm inside a lot. So, yeah. You're, I, I just, yeah. You're an indoor Ron. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, in the Conspiracy Zone, it's like a dungeon, really. And so I don't even, yeah, it is. It's literally in a bunker. Yeah. And uh, so I have no idea what the weather's like. And so I, I could have, like, a multitude of black helicopters flying over, World War III taking place. I have, I'll have i have no idea what's going on. I'm
0: just so fortified. You are. You're fortified in your little bunker with plenty of comp- conspiracy paraphernalia to, uh, to bide your time. You got it, buddy. <laughs> and food. And food. And food. Mm-hmm. So I thought after that happening, it would be helpful for us to kind of talk about the Black Helicopters a little bit. Mm -hmm. And Ron, you've had some impressive experiences. I thought we could go over that again. Um, But, you know, let's get to it. Mm -hmm. So now for me, my first exposure to the Black Helicopter phenomenon uh, was through Jim Keith. And Jim Keith was a big-time conspiracy writer – um, back in the '90s. Now, in the in the '90s, it was really like the heyday of the of the conspiracy world when all these underground conspiracy topics were starting to emerge and bubble up into the mainstream. And that's when you had things like the X Files, and a lot of stuff started to come up. Well, one of the things that came up was a guy named Jim Keith, and Jim Keith uh, was a conspiracy researcher. He wrote a num- mm-hmm. number of books on. A bunch of different things from Mind Control, Alternative 3, my favorite topic. And he wrote two books about the black helicopters, which he called Black Helicopters, uh, the Strike Force of the New World Order. And I forget what the other one was called, but Uh Black Helicopters 2, something or another. And he talked about these incidents where people would experience jet black helicopters that would that would harass them and buzz them or or just be seen in the general vicinity of things. And they were usually like Hughes five hundreds, like the Magnum PI looking helicopter, but they're jet black, no markings. And a lot of there was a lot of conjecture in the in the early nineties about the source of these things, that they were somehow Part of a New World Order operation. They were part of the U.N. At that mm-hmm. time, that was the rise of the militia movement. And right. And you had a lot of fears about the U.N. People were really keeping track of trains carrying U.N. vehicles. There were sightings of U.N. soldiers at, at military bases. Guillotines. Yeah, guillotines, right. FEMA camps. Yeah, FEMA yeah. body bags, ammunition. hmm and so a lot of these things were coming out. Mhm. Now in the in the 2000s it seemed to kind of die off for a while. That this this notion that there was this like UN strike force that was sitting waiting poised to take over the US kind of disappeared. Right? right. It, kind of died out. And I think there was a shift more toward the metaphysical and toward paranormal stuff, but now mm-hmm. It seems to have come full circle and people are starting to see UN vehicles again. There's reports of millions of body bags being purchased. There's reports of ammunition stockpiling. All these things that happened in the 90s are coming around again.
2: Right. It's basically the same story but a different time period. Like every 20 years, it kind of recycles itself.
0: Right. And and the truth is is that these black helicopters do exist. Mm Mm-hmm. They're not police. Nobody knows exactly who they are. They've been photographed at air force bases. They've been photographed at navy bases. They've been photographed at airfields. They've been photographed at some very interesting airfields. But they do exist. Yes, now, they do. They do, and they're generally Belgian Rangers or they're a Hughes Five Hundred. the Magnum Pi looking helicopter. The Belgian Rangers more what you would think about it like a traffic helicopter Uh, we have a station here called kgo and they have a a red belgian ranger with kgo (laughs) stenciled on the side of it you always see it flying Uh around and actually for anybody who who's from the general vicinity of san francisco who knows kgo originally side note that's not conspiratorial originally their kgo helicopter had pontoons and they used to land that thing in sausalito so when you'd See it flying around. It actually had pontoons on it. But huh. Anyway, yeah, but nobody knows exactly what they're for. There's been a lot of conjecture that they're surveillance. There's been a lot of conjecture that that they're they're part of like some sort of a rapid deployment. But they're not cargo helicopters like a Chinook, and they're not you know cargo transports. They're not gunships. They're more i i would i would posit to you that they're more surveillance oriented they they generally have the sensor ball in the front where it has the thermal camera night vision camera and, you know i i think they probably uh put the stuff in there to intercept cell phone calls you know that mobile cell tower that we've seen that, that different people have put in like cessnas Mm-hmm. You know, I think there, it's probably more like that than being a strike force. I think it was a strike force you'd see. Although there have been sightings, I will admit, there there have been sightings of jet black Apache helicopters and some other stuff.
2: Oh, yeah. And then there's also speculation that, you know, some of these are actually used for uh, uh, mind control, you know, like electronic harassment. And uh, that's what actually they were doing. In uh, Desert Storm, uh, I don't think they were necessarily black, but they were military helicopters that were sort of uh, um, bombarding the Iraqis in the bunkers with uh, microwaves, and they were hearing voices by utilizing voice skull technology.
0: So why don't you explain what voice skull technology is since you mentioned it?
2: Well, uh, voice skull technology is – it's actually been around since the uh, 70s. It's uh, basically a way to, where uh, people are hearing voices in their head, and it's basically a form of artificial schizophrenia. It's to drive the uh, the target, what they refer to as the targeted individual, to kind of basically drive them crazy, thinking that they're hearing voices and uh what have you and sometimes these voices go on and on or they just fall asleep and then they start hearing the voices and so uh, many of these targeted individuals uh end up sleep deprived and essentially psychotic but it's uh, basically it bypasses the uh, auditory system and directly into the brain via microwave and uh so, I mean, it's just, you know, when you think of the, the miracle of radio and how a sound is uh, embedded through radio waves, well, it's the same thing with the, the voice-to-skull technology. And there's something else uh, that people can uh, – I mean, you can look up the patents for V2K uh, online, and you can also look up NeuroPhone, uh, which is basically the same type of technology – where you can have it close to your skin, you know uh, this this phone, and you'll hear the voices directly in in your head. So it's it's a good way to sh- show how this technology actually does exist.
0: So the long and the short of it is, is that these black helicopters are indeed real. I mean, people have mm-hmm. seen, seen this. Oh yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. it's legit, but nobody knows yeah. exactly right what, what they're doing.
2: Right. And you said, like, uh, earlier, basically the 90s, it seemed like, uh, was sort of the uh, pinnacle of uh, black helicopter sightings. But it's kind of fluctuated, you know, throughout the the 2000s. And it seems like it's, I don't know, it's back on the rise again. I've had lots of reports or we've gotten lots of reports with people sending photos you know, all over the country of black helicopters that are just like either hovering over their house and their whole house is shaking, and uh, so maybe maybe we're at that period of time again where it's on the upswing.
0: It could be, and and the you know the the long and the short of it is that they're spooky. They're spooky helicopters, and if you see them, you know bad bad shit's coming. That's all I can explain to you. The, the, when you. You know, when you have a black helicopter sighting, it's not a good thing. No, not at all. No, no. I mean, you know, it, it can be benign. You know, we like I said, we mm-hmm. did the show. I'm I had I'm sitting next to the pool at the YMCA looking up. There's a black helicopter there. Mm-hmm. And it's hanging, it's hanging there. I mean, it's not going anywhere. It's just kind of hanging there for a while. You know, I flipped it off and then it, it kind of hung there for a while longer and took off. But, you know, it's not like suddenly I got stormed by the SWAT team. You know, I think you right. had much more negative experiences. But in my experiences as a researcher, um, <clears throat> generally, when I've seen black helicopters, they're usually just hanging around watching. Mm-hmm. But it, it does represent something that there is some reason why they're there. And Right. And on and like I said, on Flight 24, if you use that app or visit that website, uh, they usually will give you, the you know, you can look up who owns the helicopter and all this other stuff. Well, generally, if you have a black helicopter, I've done this on occasion, if you see one, uh, they're either blocked, the transponder is blocked, so it won't mm-hmm. give you any inf- information at all. Or it won't give you the details that you're looking for, like the the FAA flight IDs and a bunch of other stuff. That's that stuff's all missing. So, you know, that something's wrong and they've been seen. If I remember correctly, there have been sightings of black helicopters being stored at, you know, at at places like Evergreen Air and CIA front front companies uh, that are used for for renditions and, uh, you know, covert transport. So, you know, they are very Mm -hmm. spooky.
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a definite psychological factor that comes into play. And uh, when you have something like that, it's kind of ominous, it's dark. Um, But what's really freaky, I mean, you know, they, they are around during the day and then they're also around during the night. And the that I've had mostly were at night where um on occasion a uh, bright light would be shining right on the house and uh uh I have a few people that can, <laughs> very close to me who can attest to that but uh again this was around 96 97 and I was really heavy at the time into into writing about government CIA mind control I was also like um Safe housing uh MK people, MK Ultra people. So uh you know, we'd have cars parked in front of the house. So it was a pretty crazy time. Um but the the helicopters have, again, which were black, um, it's like, okay, how can you tell they're black at night? But Can't basically <laughs> Yeah, I know. But but basically um, they sounded very similar to the ones during the daytime. So again, I'm, I'm making the assumption that they were black helicopters. Um, and then, you know, some people would say, well, Ron, you know, that's just a flight path from Fort Lewis. And, uh, I know that we were, you know, not too far from Fort Lewis and like Chinooks would fly over, but. I know the difference between, like, a Jet bell Ranger and a Chinook, right? Yeah. Uh, it's obvious.
0: Well, and the other thing is is that military aircraft have to be identified, that they, they will the yes. outside you, United States Air Force, yeah. United States Army, United States Navy, whatever. These have mm-hmm. no markings whatsoever. Now, right. in my experience, when I've seen them, the few times that I've actually seen what I think is one, mm-hmm. you know, they, they do have the lights, the navigation lights are there you know just like a normal helicopter but it has no markings whatsoever which is actually a violation of the FAA rules that if you have a plane you know you have to you have to identify you have to put on the tail number and a bunch of other stuff well these don't have anything they're just painted jet black uh-huh and and there's no the the helicopter itself they're they're not like silenced it's not like all you know blue thunder where We'll put, or, you know, Airwolf, we'll put it in a silent mode. Whoa, 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 uh-huh. whoa, whoa. You know, it's not like that. Right. It's just like a normal helicopter with a sensor pod that's jet black. And what they're doing, who knows? Uh-huh. <laughs> they could be Although, mind control. Who knows? Right. Yeah, well, I mean, and then the other
2: part of it, too, and uh, a friend of mine and I saw this at Contact in the Desert uh, uh, back in uh, June in Joshua Tree, there was a black helicopter that was really low, but it was emitting like some kind of smoke. It was weird. It like puffs of smoke would come out of the back. So I'm like going, what the hell
0: is that? I don't know. It so sounds it, like bad
2: maintenance. Yeah. yeah, this could be. Could be. But <laughs> I you know, it was just sort of like it was so low. Right. And it just went right over us. And uh, it's like, oh, I'm going inside. I mean, it just freaked me out to the extent where I just thought, okay, you know,
0: you know, that that brings up a funny thing. You know, one of the you know, I do the the secret space program stuff. You know, one of the things that that always boggles my mind as a conspiracy researcher is that. You know we talk about black helicopters or the secret space program or experimental mm-hmm. aircraft or right. you know top secret fighters there's a photo that just came out of a triangular aircraft seen over uh over England uh-huh. and it's like some for some reason we have this like perception that this stuff is perfectly maintained you know that that no matter what that the the maintenance records on these things must be immaculate and they're not. They're run by people. They're built by people. They're operated by people. Uh-huh. Um, seeing black smoke coming out of one, the, the engine's probably clogged with right. sand. Who knows? But <clears throat> it, that one thing has always boggled my mind, that for some reason in the conspiracy world, we think, because it's conspiracy-related, uh-huh. that there's some sort of like perfection to it. And there really isn't. I mean, when I've seen them, you know, I've seen these helicopters, like I said, on occasion. You know, it was really windy. You could see the helicopter, like, being buffeted by the wind. It's not like they have some sort of magic magnetic bubble around them that shields them from the from the elements of the climate. You know, it's just a helicopter. It probably right. has some weird stuff inside of it. I wouldn't doubt it. It's uh-huh. it, perfectly reasonable. Well, perfectly reasonable from a conspiracy context right to, to believe that they have you know devices to project magnetic waves or ma- microwave or, or whatever but it's just a helicopter it's not a spaceship it's true yeah i it mean have true. you noticed that i mean there's there's like this th- they can't break there's a kind of yeah, yeah there, there's a kind of like and a, a perception of what these aircraft especially that they they don't break down. Mhm. And they do. I don't know why, but that's always bothered me. <laughs> oh, I've never really thought of it that way.
2: But I mean, the the other thing is it's kind of like you really can't see like who's in there. <laughs> I guess if you had a uh you know a, a powerful uh um binoculars, pair of binoculars, you might be able to See, but maybe they tint their windows. Who knows?
0: Well, I think they probably tint the w- windows on the side. On the windscreen, it would probably be kind of rough, right? Right. <laughs> but the long and the short of it is that you know, if you do see one of these things, that there something is amiss. Mm-hmm. It's not normal. They don't. Yep. They don't just trot these things out. It's not like you're going to be walking the dog. And it's like. Oh, I'm being trailed by a black helicopter. If you're walking the dog and you're being trailed by a black helicopter, you piss somebody mm-hmm. off.
2: Yeah. 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 But, um, you know, again, it's sort of like uh, – is there sort of like some sort of profiling or a general profile of people who are being harassed or frequented – by these black helicopters, do you know of any such profile?
0: I don't, but I think you can draw a generic profile and mm-hmm. make make some kind of generalities. That right. all, the, all the people that I've ever known that have had an interaction with one, mm-hmm. they've been researchers in some capacity. That they right. they were looking into something, they were talking about something, and it's at this point it's it's almost like they just show up to be more ominous than anything else. Mm-hmm. Right. And the experience. In, that, well, go ahead.
2: For intimidation purposes, primarily.
0: Right. I mean, you know, you look at Joe. Joe comes on the podcast, talks about weed, talks about the cannabis conspiracy, asks, some, asks us some questions. We talk about some stuff, and then it's like, oh, now he's got a black helicopter following him. He gets cut off by a black SUV that you know, says, "I see you." I see you. You know, it's like, you know, he upset somebody. Right. Right when I had it happen to me, I was deep into a particular line of research that I no longer follow, by the way. But I was uh-huh. deep into a, a particular line of research, and then they would show up. You know, right. so I think that, in general, that they show up. They're harbingers. They they show up to kind of send a message. Uh-huh. You know, there there aren't just like fleets of these things flying around in the sky for the hell of it. I think they they are they follow researchers who are agitating something or they're going somewhere or you know it's it's more intimidation it's it's kind of like the empire is showing up to to tell you no no <laughs> what you're doing is bad <laughs> right like, oh okay you know and then you don't end up in a bag
2: right so <laughs> it, it appears there is sort of a cause and effect relationship but um you know, we're talking briefly about the profiling and I would concur, uh, the people that I know that have been harassed, uh, by these black helicopters have been, uh, you know, like political activists or or people doing a lot of research in various types of, uh, conspiracies, um, that actually are, are pretty valid. It's not like they're, you know, people that are just sort of into speculative or sensational type of, uh, conspiracy topics. But, uh, in Olympia, like I said, it just seemed like there was such a flurry of these black helicopters. Um, I have one friend who's a, a very prolific writer, um, and she's done a lot of, uh, writing not just on mind control, but on, uh, uh chemtrails as well and she actually she was like in her backyard in of her house in olympia and she heard something but it was sort of like uh kind of like a chopper but it was like really silent you know and it was going whoosh 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 and it's like and she looked around and all of a sudden she saw something in the sky but it was like a blur that was going across the sky <laughs> And, uh, and it, it kind of, like, circled her house, too. And uh, it, just, it that really freaked her out. It was like some sort of ghost craft or whatever, you know? Yeah,
0: it could have had adaptive camouflage. The, this is something yeah. that I've talked about before. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, so
2: it, it may have very well been that, you know. But it was like a very hushed, hovering-type thing. Well, we you know, know
0: we know from the from the Bin Laden thing that they have modified uh, Blackhawks that have some sort of uh, dampening sound dampening. Mm-hmm, right. So we know the technology exists. Right. So it's not beyond the pale. It would be hard to do adaptive camouflage well on a helicopter, I think. Mm-hmm. But if, if she saw something that just looked like a blur, that sounds like adaptive camouflage. Yeah. Yeah, That's I'd something. love to see
2: something like that. Oh, I You know, w- <laughs>
0: no, count me out. <laughs> Cuz if you see something like that over your house, you got problems. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's like I said, she saw the conventional black helicopters, but uh this really startled her quite a bit. And so a lot of our work was sort of paralleling one another. We were working on some of the same stuff. When it came to the CIA mind control stuff back in the 90s.
0: Well, the, the 90s were really kind of a, an interesting time. Mm-hmm. You know, because it was really the birth of a time when the the this kind of New World Order can, concept really started to emerge. I mean, that's, you know, Jim Keith wrote extensively about it. I mean, he wrote extensively on the Black Helicopter's. You know, go go find Jim Keith's books on the black helicopters. But he you know, he wrote extensively on that, on mind control, you know, in the New World Order. And and he paid a price for it. You know, he right. went to, he went to Burning Man. I've said this before. He went to Burning Man, he falls off the stage. They tell him he needs orthoscopic surgery on his knee. He tells his family uh-huh. if they put me under, I'm not gonna come out of it. They uh-huh. put him under, he doesn't come out of it. Some yeah. period of time later Ron Bonds the guy who, who from Illuminate who published all of Jim Keith's stuff uh-huh you know he goes to a Mexican restaurant has a burrito and drops dead of, of E coli poisoning <laughs>
2: right and then one of his best friends Jim Keith's best friends Jerry E Smith oh, right. who uh wrote a book on uh what, on what, harp what? yeah yeah um who I helped set up a uh, talk for him in Olympia um He died of a really fast-acting pancreatic cancer, and I think he found out like right after he left Olympia, he went to go uh, for a checkup because he was having some issues, and he died pretty quickly.
0: You know what's funny is that I I actually filled in for an internet radio show host uh about that time, and I interviewed Mm -hmm. Jerry Smith, and – Right. We talked about weather warfare and all this stuff, and he was he was living in uh, Illinois at the time. Yes, in, in Kempton, and right, and uh, he, you know, we had a great interview, and and we stayed on the phone for a long time after that, just talking about harp and weather warfare and all kinds of craziness. And then, mm-hmm. like a couple months later, it was like, oh, I have cancer. Oh, I'm dead. I mean yeah. It was it was literally like that fast.
2: Right. So, you had three people sort of connected um, who died of really suspicious uh, suspicious means, unfortunately. Well, they happens. died prematurely.
0: Well, it happens. I mean, you know, yeah. Casolero's the poster child for that. Right. Uh, he was looking into the octopus, and then he ends up dead in a, in a bathtub.
2: Yeah, and then Gary, Webb, Gary su- Webb suicides himself by shooting himself in back of the head a couple times, right?
0: Right. You know, there there is a frequency for people who who do research into the into the to deep politics and deep conspiracy. Mm-hmm. And they, they end up uh, suicided. And yep. You know, there you'll see stuff like, you know, they're right-handed, but they shoot themselves with their left hand, and they'll you know they'll knock themselves off in the car mm-hmm. even though they were apparently unconscious at the time that the thing was hooked up and right you know it's 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 definitely a finicky business mhm well i mean to be quite honest with
2: you during that period of time i was feeling kind of fatalistic in a way i was thinking you know what this is going to happen to me and uh I mean, it, it was tough because, you know, I was married at the time, had young children. And, man, I'm just thinking, how, sh- how far should I go with this type of research and disseminating this some pretty sensitive information? Uh, but, you know, the 2000s kind of rolled around. I, I sort of took a backseat to a lot of this conspiracy stuff. And then you know, I decided around 2002, 2003, the Put out MKZine, which was a magazine about uh, mind control and human experimentation. So it was like I was back in the thick of things. But uh, um, shortly thereafter, I started coming down with um, chemical sensitivity. And uh, so I got a blood workup done And the doctor (laughs) said, whoa, this looks really strange. And I go, what? You know, I thought I was going to die when he said, wow, your your corpuscles are like extremely enlarged and uh, clustered. And I go, well, what does that mean? It's like, well, it's kind of like, you know, either like electrical, some sort of electrical sensitivity or you know, you're going through a lot of stress, excessive stress. And I just, well, I don't feel too stressed out. So, well, yeah, I don't know. But I mean, the doctor didn't even know what to think of it. And then I, um, I, I told a person who was a targeted individual who also got a blood work up. And, uh, basically our tests were identical to one another, but he was diagnosed with, um, um, excessive electronic stimulation or something like that via, you know, basically he was being electronically harassed. And so I may have uh, been subjected to some substantial ELFs at the time as well. But I didn't know it because I did I mean, I didn't feel it until I, like I'd go into a, uh, a cafe, you know, and where they'd have Wi-Fi and i'd just start feeling really woozy you know really sensitive Uh and so i had both electric sensitivity and chemical sensitivity wow (laughs) and so i went on a really big time detox and i just didn't use a lot of electronic stuff for a while and it subsided quite a bit and
0: uh well you know this this uh whole subject of uh (laughs) The body count of ufology, right? Uh A while back, I I wrote an article about that. And one of the interesting things is that the first time that that was ever really discussed was in 1971 when Otto Bender wrote a – who's very famous uh, Uh – wrote an article for Sega Magazine called The Liquidation of UFO Investigators. And in that article, he outlined the deaths of 137 researchers, writers, scientists, and witnesses who had died. Uh Mm-hmm. So I mean it it, it it is real and and the black helicopters are part of it. I mean if you if you see them you know you're they're they're following you for a reason. And, and right. it, it's true people you know they do develop you know sensitivity. I mean I myself have developed a, you know a number of allergies, you know. I if I feel like I, I always have allergies now. Mhm. But I guess you oh, could, yeah. you could argue that that's just environmental, but it is kind of strange.
2: But I but I think it's it's really uh, compounded by a variety of different types of toxins, both environmental or or airborne. You know, um, with all the chemtrail crap oh, yeah. that we're inhaling, and then you know all the different types of foods that might be GMO or what have you. So. Uh, and then, of course, we have you know excessive electrosmog all over the place. So our bodies are really being bombarded from all different uh, angles, from all different fronts.
0: Well, here you go. Here, here's just a couple. There's uh, mm-hmm. Phil, Phil Schneider, yeah, who did uh, work on the deep underground bunkers. Mm-hmm. He died. Ron Rummel, who was a- yeah, but I mean, when you say he died, people die. How did he die? Uh, he died he, while in the hospital. He was being treated and was apparently strangled in his sleep by a catheter found wrapped around his neck.
2: Oh, and so what did they say? He accidentally got tangled up? He uh, accidentally got
0: tangled up. And, got tangled up. There's uh, Ron, Ron Rummel, who is a mm-hmm. former uh, intelligence officer published Alien Digest. Uh, mm-hmm. Seven issues into the publishing, he apparently committed suicide by placing a handgun into his mouth and pulling the trigger. Witnesses mm. at the scene claim that the handgun had no fingerprints or blood on it and that the suicide note was written by a left-handed person, although Rummel was in fact right-handed. It is also alleged that the body stanked of sodium pentothal.
1: Hmm.
0: And Rummel was collaborating with Schneider at the time. Gotcha. Jim Keith died of a blood clot. Well, again, a
2: lot of people die of blood clots. However, that particular blood clot uh, came about because of a a very rare bacteria that was formed.
0: Right. Right. So then, to my understanding, there's Anne Livingston. She was part of a she was a MUFON investigator, author of "Electronic Harassment and Alien Abductions." Died of a fast-acting form of ovarian cancer in '94. Her death mm-hmm. came after a 1992 incident where five faith- faceless men dressed in black assaulted her in her home. Mm-hmm. Then there's the strange story of Ron Johnson, who died in 1994 while attending a lecture at a Society of Scientific Exploration meeting of an apparent stroke and allergic reaction. Right. John- Johnson, who was MUFON's director, deputy director of investigation and formerly worked at Hal Putoff's Austin-based think tank, died during a slideshow during the slideshow several people claimed to have heard a gasp when the lights came on johnson was slept over in his chair blood oozing from his nose and his soda can uh sat next to him on the chair <laughs> the list goes on uh, yeah
2: what about Mae brussel yeah Mae brussel she, she also died of a very fast acting type of cancer as well as Jack Ruby. Again, there are certain types of cancers that, you know, can be really prolific and people can die all of a sudden. But there's also um, some pretty ample evidence that there is a, a manipulated type of cancer that um, – the CIA or, or various types of intelligence agencies actually are able to use to uh, kill people fairly quickly.
0: Well, one of the other things that I pointed out in the article is that a number of people have died on June 24th. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Hmm. So Jackie Gleason died on June 24th. Uh, mm-hmm. Frank Edwards died on June 23rd, but his death was announced on June 24th. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see Robert Charro a famous French 14 writer, died on June 24th. Gleason, Jackie Gleason died on June 24th. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Alan Lyle Stewart, publisher of Frank Edwards' books, was died on June 24th. Alan Myers, the drummer of D- drummer of Devo and UFO researcher, died on June 24th. And June 24th is the date that Kenneth Arnold had his famous sighting. Hmm. Huh.
2: So is there any type of uh, uh, numerological significance? You I have, know,
0: I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. I always fall down on the numerology, man.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, 624. Yeah, it'd be interesting to kind of delve into that a little bit more to see if there is some sort of esoteric significance to it.
0: It would be the number 12, right? Yeah. 6 plus 2 plus 4 is 12. Yeah. Know. Yeah. But but long and short of it is I mean, you know, there there is a body count and you know, and again, you know, these black this notion of the black helicopters, the men in black, these black, you know, things of black. Right? black right. cars, black SUVs well, I and
2: mean, And also there's like uh black birds whether they be ravens or crows. Right. And you know, there's always been some sort of uh a cult sort of significance to the sort of the sightings or or if a raven or a crow you know bothers you or distracts you i'm sure there's there's some sort of meaning you know some sort of har- harbinger of yeah they're seen as a harbinger
0: they're seen right. as a harbinger i mean it's just like the mothman the when you you know the uh-huh. mothman uh in its human form is is typically described as a a man wearing black mhm Right, so, and then again, right. Men in, right. in black, men in black, men in black.
2: Right,
0: but <clears throat> but there's absolutely is a body count, and and the body count ties into the black SUVs, it ties into the black cars, the <laughs> men in black, black helicopters, black ships. I mean, these all these objects are are harbingers. So if you see a black SUV following you around, that's a bad mm-hmm. thing. If you see a black helicopter, that's a bad thing. If the men in black show up at your house, that's a bad thing, right? But there absolutely is a body count, and I don't think a lot of people understand that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it is, and it's a lot of people who kill themselves and or die of fast-acting cancer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, they die of blood clots. But the guys that kill themselves, you know, they use their left hand when they're right-handed. They shoot themselves three times in the chest. I mean, it's, or in the back of the head. The back of the head. Yeah, what a way to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it, it, something you said is very interesting. That there, you know, you were saying that that you get kind of despondent, and it's like, as a as a conspiracy researcher, <clears throat> there there are times when you you get kind of despondent, mm-hmm. you know, because you're you're researching these things, and and we're talking about real conspiracies. We're not talking about this, this kind of flash in the pan stuff that you read on before it's news. Mm-hmm. You know, the the I mean, if I brought up before it's news right now and I read off the list of titles, to you, I mean, some of this stuff's insane, right? But I mean, you're talking about legitimate. Conspiracies—whether you're talking about Kennedy or you're talking about the Octopus or you're talking mm-hmm. about the New World Order—I mean, these things really do exist. Right. It's not like they're—they're they're not fantasies.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there, there are times when you get kind of despondent about it. It's like, whoa, you know, how much of this negativity can I take? I mean, that's why, personally, I tend to see some humor in the whole thing because I, I think you have to. Oh, definitely,
2: yeah, <laughs> and. uh There's a uh, YouTube channel that I enjoy watching. It's called Joy Camp. And they have, you know, all these like little skits. One is like the uh, Amazon drones and, you know, some – Post office guy goes postal and starts shooting them all down. And then uh, there's one on chemtrails and there's one on the Illuminati. And I mean, and it, I think it's great. You now, granted, there are some conspiracy theorists out there who have told me that, oh, they're just making fun of me or making fun of us. And, you know, sometimes it's okay to have some humor, you know, a little levity is beneficial i think in the long run because i mean the stuff is just so can be so overwhelming i think it's 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 good to sort of uh you know balance it with you know a little bit of humor and not take yourself so seriously and i i again it's not like making fun of the whole movement per se it's just uh you know, there's there's a time to be serious and there's a time to be humorous. And well, so you know, I think it, it's important to have that balance, basically.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's like the black helicopter you saw Contact in the Desert. I think that's hilarious yeah. because oh, yeah. obviously whoever the mechanic was didn't do a very good job. Yeah. Because, I mean, you <laughs> know, it, right. I mean, if you're looking at here's this black helicopter. It's like the ominous symbol of mayhem and doom. Yeah, That's belching, Which, and it was and it was very
2: low too. Yeah, it's that's very what...
0: low. They're there to scare the crap out of you, but the right. mechanic couldn't clean the filter out, so it's belching smoke. And the yeah. guy's probably like, oh, the engine's heating. I better go back to the back to the yeah. air force base or back to the airfield right. so I can fix it.
1: Yeah, it's like not well, very, I, not that's very ominous.
0: It,
2: that's what I hope it was <laughs> anyway. It was just again, it was oh, just I like oh,
0: let's I take a picture. Oh, let's take a picture. <laughs> But I mean, you know, it's like how ominous is that? Here, I'm here, I'm here to terrify you. Oops, the engine's malfunctioning. I'm going to go home yeah. now. Yeah, I got a hot yeah. date. I need to You know, I need to get a beer. Right. So sometimes you just
2: never know. But mm-hmm. I think we're just, uh, especially people like ourselves, we're just so sensitive to that that we're always like thinking the the worst. <laughs> you know, it
0: is. I mean, you see a helicopter belching smoke, you're like oh, crap, they're, you know, they're trying That's to get gas me. They're spraying. Yeah. They're spraying. It's kind of like the chemtrails, you know. you There are chemtrails. I mean, chemtrails are real. I mean, you can go look up the patents. Go buy Alana Freeland's book about it, you know. Right. But sometimes they're not chemtrails. Sometimes they're yeah. just contrails. Yeah,
2: and they'll disappear and, you know. Yeah. The, yeah.
0: And it's it's like I always get a big kick out of it because you, you put a concentration of, conspiracy theorists into a room which it which happens you know if you go to contact in the desert i mean that's a high concentration of conspiracy theorists and you know you hear all kinds of stuff Mm -hmm. you know i mean you hear all kinds of crazy stuff oh yeah yeah definitely and it's like you know as a rational human being i stand there going okay all right you know and i remember once i went to a conspiracy con and this guy, you know, it's it's a room full of normal people. I mean the people that listen to this podcast, read the magazine, you know, listen to ground zero. Uh-huh. We're normal people. And and so this guy comes up to the podium and he's like he points to these two poor guys in the back who had paid fifty bucks to be there, points to him and goes, those are COINTEL pro agents and everybody like looks at them and these guys are like, What? What did I do? What did I do? Yeah, what's <laughs> <You know>? that? <laughs> what's what's that? To- I don't even know what that is. Yeah. You know, so I, I think there there is sometimes this kind of notion of like the movement takes itself too seriously. You know? Right.
2: Well and and to be honest with you too, there are people that have significant mental health issues that will gravitate toward conspiracy theories as a way to sort of justify, you know, their, their uh, perceptions.
0: That's true. But I, you know, I try to take everybody at their, at face value. I mean, if yeah. I'm at a convention and somebody comes up to me and believes that they're, they're being bombarded with Pleiadian messages, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not a big believer in the Pleiadians. You oh, know. wow. You don't believe in me? No, Ron, I don't. Wow, man. <laughs> But you know what I mean. I mean, you know, it's like, okay, I'll take (laughs) it at face value. All right. Right. You're being bombarded by pleading messages. Right. Sure. Okay. You know, I'm not going to I'm not I'm open minded enough that I'm not going to discount it. But yeah.
2: But and then there's, you know, like when I used to go to the conspiracy conference in Santa Clara quite a bit, you know, back in uh uh, right 2002 to about 2013 off and on yeah. and uh, you know I'd always have people coming up and wanting to say you know oh I'm, I'm being harassed and gang stalked and all this and I would just listen to their story mm-hmm. and uh, some would sound fairly cogent and lucid while others were just whacked out you know <laughs> but then again it's sort of like are those people that are just sort of whacked out and sounding crazy, psychotic because of all the sleep deprivation and bombardment? Right. So that's why after a while it was like I wasn't so quick to really judge. No. But you just have to put it on the side and just say, "Wow," you know.
0: Yeah, that's what I do. I mean, I yep. put it to the side yeah. and I, I, wow. You know, I wish I could get messages downloaded. Right. Pleadies. <laughs> Come on now, it's not just that
2: <laughs> No There's other planets too So just don't, you know, harp on the uh, Pleiadians, man They're they they're doing up. their best They're doing their best to offset all the uh, Power up You know, negativity and all the
0: reptilian bullshit that's going on in this here planet Now, you know, there's a movie that you really gotta see <laughs> It's called UFO Invasion Uh-huh it has a uh, Christopher Lee in it and Robert, oh, okay. Robert Vaughn. Mhm. Dude, is that the man from Uncle? Yeah, Robert. the man from Uncle. Okay. Yeah. Dude, it's got everything. It yeah. starts out by this UFO like the the Draconians that are led by Christopher Lee. You know, they abduct this guy and they do some like mind manipulation on him. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. sexual mind manipulation and then they fly off to a a ufo base in the bermuda triangle that's like a pyramid Mm -hmm. and then they have these like gray alien looking guys and robots and robert vaughn he's a ufo researcher Mm -hmm. and at the end basically the draconians uh are trying to beam Messages onto the earth to like agitate people to huh. to basically like genocide all the people to make room for them because their star exploded. Oh my god! Oh. It's 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 awesome. What's it called again? It's called UFO invasion. Okay, I'm gonna check it out. Or Project
2: Genocide. Yeah, I actually I may have seen a poster of that at the. Uh the uh, UFO museum in Roswell. I think I saw that. You probably did.
0: Yeah, it's a doozy. <laughs> Project Genocide. It's a doozy because it, it basically encapsulates like the entire UFO experience, abductions, and pyramids, and the Bermuda Triangle, and Draconians, and gray aliens, and robots, and wow, Christopher Lee and Robert Vaughn, <laughs> in, right. their, in their greatest roles ever, right. In the twilight of their career, it was definitely in a in a in a kind of uh how should I put it they were definitely in a rut, both of them <laughs> yeah I mean, well I mean yeah
2: yeah they they already reached the their height or their pinnacle of of their acting career and well, so yeah.
0: well no no, no, I mean this is done during like the late seventies or the eighties I mean right crystal release coming out of hammer Hammer films uh-huh. and Robert Vaughn is coming out of the man from Uncle. And all that stuff. Mm -hmm. It's it's great. And, uh, you know, the flying saucer is another good one. A flying saucer crash lands in China. They send a Uh CIA agent to go recover it. He hooks up with a KGB agent. They're trying to beat a Chinese intelligence agent to go find it. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Hangar 18. (laughs) The mysterious flight of four, or the mysterious flight 412. You've probably
2: seen more uh ufo paranormal (laughs) movies than anybody on this planet (laughs) seriously you know all of them
0: mission kill mission kills Uh that's leslie nielsen and then you know this is really tragic i i can never remember the guy's name but he's the guy who was frank pool in 2001 isn't that terrible it's like the rest of his career oh you were frank pool in 2001 (laughs) <laughs> Your name is Frank Poole. You played Frank Poole in two thousand and one, so is that like a one hit wonder yeah, well okay. he's a good actor but right, but basic it was in the Philippines. everybody knows him from that right right well it's kubrick it 's seminal film right right but mm-hmm. he you know him and Leslie Nielsen run a mind control operation in the Philippines. To make oh, I got
2: to pro- see this I Programmed see
0: this. assassins And then like, yeah. like Leslie Nielsen falls in love with this lady And they take off And Frank Poole, I'll just call him <laughs> Frank Poole Frank Poole has to like go after him And try to kill him Oh, it's awesome, wow. man You know, I should yeah. do I should do a portion of the podcast Where I'm like, this is the movie you should go see Yeah Movie Reviews oh, by Olaf.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah but I mean they have to have some sort of
0: connection with Paranoia magazine. Uh, right? Well, the, you don't want to go off on some tangent all off. Well, the connection is is that they're shown on Secret Sundays on OSI74 on the road uh, and OSI74.com. Right. We show them on there. Yeah. I got to check that out sometime. You do. You need to watch Utopia Fantastica. Yeah. What's that about? Basically, we take uh, Eastern European science fiction movies and make our own subtitles. (laughs) Wow! I can only imagine. (laughs) You know, I was actually contacted by a guy who had been a Russian linguist, Uh and uh, American guy, but he was a Russian linguist, and he was like, you know, it's really confusing for me because he's like, I speak fluent Russian, so I'm watching the movie in Russian. And It's like I understand what they're saying. I, I'm a fluent, you know, Russian speaker. Right, right. But then I'm looking at the subtitles, which are hilarious. <laughs> have nothing to do with the movie. We, in fact, oh. in fact, the the intro we uh, we took a, a Russian, a Soviet um, <laughs> propaganda film from the 30s where they're they're harvesting wheat. Right, and it's all these people who are really excited to be harvesting wheat. They're like yeah I'm harvesting wheat and it's all these people are like standing around saying we love harvesting wheat you know screw the bourgeoisie we are the proletariat and those those are those are key phrases in marxism for anybody who hasn't read the communist manifesto and
2: yeah i i well, haven't done it since the vietnam days so yeah
0: so so we change the subtitles Mr. Lobo changes subtitles it's like we like rocket ships and dinosaurs and it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's hosted by Cosmonaut 74. Right. She's a she's a, uh, she's a Russian a Soviet cosmonaut stuck mm-hmm. on a stuck on a spa- on a secret a Soviet space base that did, mm-hmm. didn't know that the Soviet Union fell. And so, you know, she has this like fire engine red hair and she's like a, yeah, she wears a Yuri Gagarin watch and yeah, she, she introduces the movie, but he was really confused. He's like, man, I don't know what to, do I listen to the movie or do I look at the subtitles? I'm like, you look, you look at the subtitles, dude. (laughs) I don't know. I'm going to have to, you have to watch it. It's, it's funny. Yes. Lobo Lobo did one he did a cuz they used to televise the May Day parade mm-hmm. so he did the whole May Day parade <laughs>
2: And then dubbed in. What did he dub no, in? He
0: didn't dub in anything. He put in the really? subtitles. Yeah. Oh, it's just subtitles. Yeah, okay. because they have right. announcers, right? So they're like, right. oh, look, the you know the the number fourteen, you know, combine collective is now showing off their latest combines. All right. <laughs> Ray right. for them. Ooh, look at those shiny combines. Right. Huh. And you know, Lobo's <laughs> like, oh, look, there's the Coca-Cola Brigade. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we like drugs. We. <laughs> You, know, I mean, it's, you just gotta watch it it's, it's
2: almost like mystery science theater type stuff I don't know
0: well mystery science theater implies that there's like a couple of guys sitting in front of it making snarky comments we took the right. guys out and just changed the changed the meaning of the movie yeah because you That's know good. Soviet science fiction is actually very well made mm-hmm. it really is <laughs> and it's really really easy to rewrite the subtitles <laughs> it's he puts a lot of effort into it. That's really funny. Yeah. yeah. Well,
2: especially the ones from, you know, like back in the day, you know, during the Cold War in the fifties and the sixties and you know I imagine that would be well the pretty pretty realistic in some ways, but then when you add the subtitles you're just Well,
0: I mean they're Soviet science fiction films in general, now that we've digressed, mm-hmm. Soviet science fiction films in general are very um utopian. Mm-hmm. Well, they had to be. They had to be. Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, they the workers unite kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're very utopian in their in their presentation, but that right. that leads to to certain things that that are rather humorous.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But they're very well made. Right? In fact, there's an Eastern they, there was an East German uh, outfit that made a number of them that are actually extremely well made. I mean, they're good movies. Mm-hmm. Even if you watch them with normal subtitles with our subtitles, they're better <laughs> right but, but no, they're pretty good, right well, you know where yeah, it but... came from right one day I was watching I was watching a commercial for the trailer for Jaws mhm, and I watched a trailer for Jaws in german Mhm, and I know I've seen Jaws, and I know the dialogue well enough, yeah. Where he's like, oh, we're going to need a bigger boat, chuckle, chuckle. Right? (laughs) Right. You know, Roy Scheider, I love Roy Scheider. But Roy Scheider, Mm -hmm. all that jazz, man, is a great movie. Anyway, he's like, dude, we're going to need a bigger boat. Well, then I watched it in German. And I thought to myself, you know, it would be really funny to take this trailer in German and then to put put my own subtitles like – the part where he goes, yeah, we're going to need a bigger boat. You know, <laughs> you could say something like, dude, I really like Trans Ams. You know, <laughs> right. Just make it completely inappropriate. Yeah. Uh, and off topic. Off topic. But, you know, that's, that's our podcast is off topic. <laughs> well, I mean, I think we s-
2: usually start off on the right track and then <laughs> we kind of get off on some weird tangent. But you know what? It's always redirected. Back to what we originally were saying. So black and helicopters. that is black helicopters. I wanted to ask you this though yes, about black. Yes. Heli- is there any like movie or documentary that depicts the phenomena of the black helicopters?
0: You know, it's interesting. During the, I want to say during the eighties, mm-hmm. there was kind of an obsession with helicopter helicopters. OK, because you, you have like Airwolf. And I think mm. everybody loved Airwolf mm-hmm. and Airwolf is fundamentally a black helicopter. I mean, right. it's, it's gray, but, you know, it, I think it was black on the top and gray on the bottom. Yeah. So it's black enough, though. Black enough. And and mm-hmm. you've got Airwolf, you know, you've got <laughs> you've got Magnum P.I. The helicopter was a very big part of that. Mm hmm. You know, you've got all these these movies and shows with how, Blue Thunder, with, Ro- mm-hmm. with Roy Scheider, of all that mm-hmm. jazz. Again. Again. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got all these things, these movies and stuff that had helicopters. And then a few years later, you have the emergence of the black helicopter phenomenon. So, I mean, you know, during the late 80s, there there was a kind of obsession with, with helicopters in general. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Right. I mean, they're slow compared to a fighter plane. It's like they're slow, yeah, kind of gangly. But I'm not aware of any movie that actually,
2: or even like you'd think
0: there'd be some sort of
2: documentary out on you know the black yeah. helicopter phenomenon. Now there is a documentary called Waco: The Big Lie uh, by um, Linda Thompson, I believe, who's an attorney. I think she was from Indianapolis, Indiana and you know they showed the uh, black helicopters going over the compound you know incessantly and also uh possibly using some sort of mind control type uh, uh devices um so yeah that that's the only documentary i know where they showed a lot of those helicopters yeah, you know flying around
0: I don't think I don't think that there's any actual black helicopter documentary. I think it'd be interesting. Yeah. Just yeah. like I said, yeah. I mean they were seen at places like Evergreen Air, which is right. their own CIA front company that that yes. does, you know, covert transport and remissions uh-huh. and stuff. But
2: And then also at uh Ruby Ridge there yeah. was a lot of Black helicopters and they will uh, show
0: up everywhere. Fun. I mean, everywhere. Right. There's fun stuff going down. They're black helicopters. I mean, they they're always there. Right. It's it's kind. Of, they're kind of like the Mothman. You know, they show mm-hmm. up and then bad shit happens. Yep. yep. <laughs> That's why I said if you see a black helicopter, man, it ain't good. I will remember that. Well, you of all people should know, dude. You had one that was like vibrating your house. I never had that.
2: No, it was weird. You know, and I've told people in the past, it's like I had to sort of like distract the kids because I didn't want them to freak out because the house would be like, like that. Sure. And uh, so I brought out our black poodle named Betsy and I raised Betsy high in the air. And I told the kids. I'm gonna shoot that helicopter down with our love gun, Betsy. And so I'd put Betsy in the air and like vibrate her up in the air, and and then the helicopter would leave. And I go, "See, Betsy did it." And they go, "Yay, Betsy did it!" <laughs> wow. I know it sounds kind of cheesy, but you know, it's it was. I had to kind of deflect to do or just distract because when your house is being shaken, you gotta figure out something to make people feel at ease and so I, I i betsy was our our love weapon several times where i brought betsy out and raised her high in the sky and started shaking her vibrating her <laughs> the poor dog was like probably going what the hell
0: are you doing <laughs> what are you doing you weird man yeah
2: oh well it worked oh. though
0: yeah <sighs> but yeah you know i i should do that like every time we do a podcast i i should do like a weird movie yeah Mission yeah. Kill, man. Mission Kill is is fun. It's got like kung fu and uh, gunfights. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's it's entertaining. Yeah. Disappearance yeah. of Flight Four Twelve. Glenn Ford and David Soul. I think it was David Soul's best uh, best role ever. Uh huh. Is that Starsky and Hutch guy? Is that yeah. who that? Okay, stars, yeah. Yeah. Yes, old man, Ron. Yeah, <laughs> Starsky stars, and
2: Hutch. <laughs> well, it was on TV
0: back in my day. Should we talk about Vegas? <laughs> no, day. let's
2: talk about magazines. Like, we got some magazine deals coming up or what?
0: Yeah, so uh, starting this weekend, we're going to have a magazine deal. Uh, you're going to get five magazines plus a hidden surprise. Well, actually, we're getting four Paranoia
2: magazines oh, plus – Yeah. There'll Go ahead, be four, Ron. four Paranoia magazines. It's kind of like a sampler of Paranoia magazines, so you really don't know what you're going to be getting. But there'll be new magazines, it's not like used, ripped-up magazines. They're all they. They're, they're all coming new. Out, of, out of our inventory. Out of our and, secret vault. Exactly. Where and all the Disney films are. Not only do you get four Paranoia magazines, you also get another very top-notch exclusive magazine that I had published and put out around 2003-2004 called MKZine, which was uh, the only magazine of its kind that was uh, examining coercive mind control and invasive human experimentation. So you're, you'll get five magazines for only $20. So that's almost 50% off the regular retail price,
0: twenty dollars, Ron. That's a deal.
2: It is really when you think about it. Actually,
0: it is a deal. <laughs> if you need some. If you need some really fun nighttime reading, paranoia is. Is it? Oh, and and we just released a book. Tell me about it. Uh, we just released a book. It should be showing up on Amazon soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can always get it through Paranoia Publishing and uh, paranoiamagazine.com. It's a. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uh, secret space program and other uh, other covert space operations get out of here who wrote it Uh, a bunch of people that wrote for paranoia it's a collection of paranoia paranoia articles about that
2: give me some names of uh, I want to know I'm curious Uh, uh, now Nick Redfern oh I know him Olaf Phillips Uh, sounds familiar vague but yeah sketchy he's a sketchy guy you can't
0: trust that dude I
2: know I know. That's why I had a big red flag all of a sudden appear right before my eyes.
0: (laughs) Okay, Who else? Who else? William Stoker, Joan Dark, John Keel, Scott Corrales. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Scotty. Yeah. Steve Alquist, Anthony Braglia, Harry Helms, uh, Mm -hmm. Clyde Lewis and Jim Keith. Yeah, man. That sounds good. Covert Space, for... the Secret Space Program, and other space cover-ups.
2: So is this like the, the Paranoia – what is it called? The Paranoia Collection or the Paranoia something? It's a
0: paranoia Reader.
2: The Paranoia Reader. OK. The it Conspiracy
0: is, Reader? It is a it is a Paranoia Reader.
2: Oh, a Paranoia Reader. OK. It has its own brand-new title. OK. Sounds yes. good.
0: And uh, it's uh, 20 bucks, and you can get it at, at uh, paranoiamagazine.com. Just mm-hmm. click on the where do I buy stuff. You'll go to our mm-hmm. Lulu store and uh you can pick it up. Good stuff. Right. Can you send me one, Olaf? I'd really like to read it. Uh yes, I absolutely will, Ron Patton. Thank you. But you know, that's one of the things that, that I'm trying to do uh with Ron's help is to go back into the archives and pull out some of these some of these really awesome articles and kind of containerize them into subject specific mm-hmm. uh, readers so there are yeah, more of that it's an excellent idea yeah and by the way it's already on kindle if anybody wants to get it on kindle you can get it on kindle too oh gotcha. and and uh we did a reprint of propaganda by edward bernays
2: wow send me that one as well i want to i want one copy of each at least please <laughs> Absolutely. Well, because I mean, I have the conspira zone, and that's going to be opening up soon. I always say I've been saying that for months, but you know, different things pop up. But when the time is right, the conspira zone will be open by private invitation only. Ooh. Well, I mean, it's really like I said, it's in a bunker, so you just can't <laughs> like. You have to go through all kinds of security measures in order to get down there. And there's doors. Only, there's only been a select few. Who have actually been inside? In, yeah. In
0: that year, one of them, you were there. I was there.
2: Chris we, Reeves.
0: <laughs> Chris Reeves was there. Superman showed yeah. up. Yeah. Um, we also have the complete secret cipher of the UFO knots uh, by mm-hmm. Al, Alan Greenfield, which is amazing mm-hmm. and gives you all the tools you need to predict UFO sightings. That's and, cool, and I am working on the FBI files on Tesla. So I have collected all of the FBI files on Nikolai Tesla, and I am going to put those into a book. Great!
2: Oh, so we got a lot of. We have so many books that are going to be coming out in 2017. It's oh, going to be oh my
0: crazy. goodness! Oh, and don't don't forget, resist the darkness, the Ground Zero Reader, Volume Two. Yeah, check that out. That's Clyde, Clyde Lewis. Lewis's
2: third book. So, uh, yeah. That's sort of a compilation of some of his older articles. Yep. Um, and then we still have Writing uh, the Shockwave. That's his first one. Right. And then we have uh, the UFO Disclosure book, his second book. Yep. So, yeah,
0: get all three. Get all three. Those are on Amazon or mm-hmm. you can buy them direct from us. We're mm-hmm. always happier mm-hmm. when you buy them direct from us. You want us to be happy.
2: Yes, paranoia magazine dot com or ParanoiaPublishing.com. dot com.
0: Oh, we got all we got all kinds of stuff. The humanoids. We've got a uh, anomaly, the irregular newsletter edited by John Keel. Mm-hmm. Zine, mm-hmm. the definitive collection. Oswald by Carrie Thornley. Mm-hmm. Alternative Three by Leslie Watkins. Operation Mind Control by Walter Boart. I mean, we got just tons and tons of stuff. So, just yeah. definitely check us out. We're Paranoia Magazine on uh, Facebook. You can send us mm-hmm. messages, secret ciphers, whatever you want to do. Uh, we're Paranoia Mag on Twitter, <laughs> Paranoia Mags on uh, Instagram. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. We're all over the place. You can come and find us,
2: right? And we're if you look under every other rock, you may find us as well. <laughs> right. Every odd rock. In every, every
0: odd in every odd ball, I think it's deteriorating now, Ron. So I know it's late, man. I've been working all day. Damn it, same here. I gotta go. I want to go home and have a cocktail. Okay, that's right. I already had a cocktail before I showed up.
2: Okay, <laughs> <laughs> you
0: uh, of- next. Next week we're working on a guest. Uh, Ron is working busily to try to get us a guest. Uh,
2: yeah, and basically it'll be a guest uh, who's been a prolific writer. For paranoia, And so we're going to get a lot more people who have written for Paranoia um, on as guests. And they can talk about the articles that they've written and some of their future projects as well. But, uh, yeah, we'll have more guests on coming soon.
0: And, hey, you know, listeners out there, we know you're listening to the show. Hey, if you have an idea or something you want us to talk about, let us know. We're, we're open to it. We're not trying to force Fiji conspiracy info if there's something you're curious about you know we'll we'll get on it. Right on, brother. All right, Ron, I think the time has come. Yes.
2: Go ahead. We I've deteriorated way too far down. <laughs> I need to <laughs> I need to redeem myself by saying thank you for listening to another exciting edition of the Paranoia podcast.
0: I'm Ron Patton, editor in chief, and I'm Olaf Phillips, the publisher and writer. And uh, be excellent to one another.
2: Take good care and keep the faith, folks.
0: All right, peoples. Uh, we're going to have another one next week. Uh, we're keeping to a weekly schedule. So we'll see you then. Hasta luego.
1: Bye. Thank you for listening to Paranoia Radio, hosted by Olaf Phillips and Ron Patton. Sponsored by Paranoia Magazine. Read it now. Paranoiamagazine.com. Intro theme, The Guide, is composed by Scott Moon, scottmoon.net. Outro theme, Fighting Trousers, is by Professor Elemental, professorelemental.com. Voice over, written and performed by Mr. Lobo, host of Cinema Insomnia. Watch new episodes on OSI 74 visit us at OSI74.com. We are resuming control for now.